Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 91, listener spotlight number 11, recorded March 19th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Back one more time. We now have 11 listeners on the show. Can you believe it, Sean? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Live listeners. That's right. So joining yeah. us this week uh, is uh, a man who goes by the name of Nightstar in the chat rooms and in the forums, but uh, his mama named him Chuck, Mr. Chuck Jolly. Hey, Chuck, how's it going? Doing good. Doing good. Fresh off of spring break. Yes. That, that is a luxury that we in education get to enjoy, which is for a random no reason they give us a week off in March. That's awesome. Yes, um, it is. And with me also, as always, is Mr. Sean Keibel. Hey, Sean, what's up? Hey, it is great to be here as always. It is great to be here. Yes. So tell me what you did over your spring break, guys. I'm going to let the guests go first. Go ahead. Oh, let's see. I had to change thermostat in my dad's truck. I cleaned gutters, <laughs> a couple yard sales, and actually did some work. All right. So, yeah, it was uh, probably a lot like mine. You, uh, we're looking to get go back to work so you could rest a little bit. Oh, definitely got to. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Um, I did. Uh, you know, it's springtime, right? So I got out and spent uh, about four of those days working on the yard, raking leaves. There was like two days of raking leaves and bagging and uh, doing all that, and then I uh, tilled up my backyard and put down all brand new grass seed and. Uh, I knew rain was coming, so I really was uh, kind of in a rush to get all of that done before our, these uh, storms passed us through. Yeah, spring, this is monsoon season in Texas. Uh, we get two a year in uh, March, April, and then again later in like September, October, where you can really butt, batten down the hatches and know that bad weather is coming. And so uh, there's a very sh uh, strong possibility that this will be the shortest podcast we've ever done. Because there is a giant supercell, roughly half the size of the state of Texas, uh, rolling through right now. It's it's on top of Sean and headed toward me. Yeah, if we make it through this alive, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing really good. So yeah, if uh, if we go dark, uh, that could mean any one of a number of things, none of which are good. So uh, uh, my spring break was. Uh, fairly uneventful just did family stuff went to the zoo and all that sort of thing so i won't mention that but i do have some some unfortunate news uh for the listening audience particularly the android uh, partition of the audience the uh mobile app um that i never did manage to get on the on the apple side is going away uh conduit.com is doing the old bait and switch and their uh what used to be free is now going to cost uh money every month and the handful of people who are using the app do not justify me spending the money for it because it's a pay-per-download thing. So every person that downloads, it costs me money. Um, and as much as I like the idea of providing that convenience to my listeners, um, I just I can't afford it. So if anybody out there is an Android coder and would like to make us a new app, we would love to have that. It's pretty simple. It just taps into some RSS feeds. But the Conduit app that is currently in the market will be coming out of the market in the next uh, month or so. Um, I, I have to comment on that. And I, I've kind of reserved saying this uh, in previous shows just because I didn't want to <laughs> bash our own app, but I was having a lot of problems with it. Really? Um, I've used it and I don't have any troubles with it. Yeah. The biggest one for me is it will not save my place in a podcast. So if I listen, you know, like let's say I'm commuting and I'm listening to a show and um, you know, 20 minutes in or whatever, I've got to stop and, uh, you know, head in and actually do some work. Uh, when I would come back to it, it would start all over again from the beginning. And so I'd have to manually go through and kind of try to find, okay, I was right around there. Um, so I was having to do a lot of that. Um, well, I was willing to forgive a multitude of sins on the fact that it was a free app, you know? Oh, Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you, you kind of expect that to some degree. Yeah. But I just don't think it's good enough, uh, to, to pay. And it's not a whole lot of money. I think it's 30 bucks a month, but, uh, you know, that's, that's $300 a year for an app that isn't all that great. Um, you know, and I'm sure I could probably commission somebody for $300 to make us an app, you know, once and have it, you know, forever. Um, right. 
So I, I don't know about that. But anyway, I, I'm going to stop fighting with the Apple store trying to get it in, considering that it would just be coming back out again. Uh, the only thing that really makes me mad about that is I paid the Apple developer fee and did all that sort of stuff for no reason. I, I never got the app in the store. And so uh, I, I jumped through all their security hoops and paid the money and, and never, um, never actually got any use out of it. Well, you know, someday. Well, not someday. I mean, I got to pay that money every year. I'm not paying it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that. Um, I just uh, want to mention, uh, I mentioned it on, I think, another one of the other shows. I do so many shows, I can't, I can't keep them all straight. But hopefully by the time I, we record this show next week, um, I will be in an entirely new studio, a PodPod 2.0. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. We've mentioned on the show a number of times that the, the quote unquote studio I'm in right now was very, very hastily put together one summer afternoon, uh, just to provide me enough of a, a, a space to heat and cool so that I don't have to heat my, uh, 2700 square foot garage and not die in the hot Texas summer. Uh, but, uh, I have, uh, drawn up some plans and actually uh, uh, the material has already been ordered and uh, uh, hopefully uh, by uh, the weekend uh, we'll be assembling a brand new studio with uh, six inch soundproof walls and uh, uh, it should be should be really nice and uh, should have external air conditioning so that the the unit isn't in the room and I don't have to turn it off every time we do a show and and, and sweat the whole time because it was too loud. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it with one exception. And that is I did a little math on the, the density of the wood and how much we're using and everything. And each one of the, the four by eight by, uh, um, six inch panels we're doing are going to weigh about 170 pounds each. And they're going to be three of wow. them, about three of them over my head. So I just hope that we, uh, secure that really well <laughs> when the time comes, because if one of those falls on me, it will be a very unpleasant afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's quite a project. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I'm assembling it out of, uh, just panels. I'm building, uh, quote, semi freestanding panels that I will bolt together so that, uh, you know, when the time comes that we sell this house and move, I can take it down and the, the, the inhabitants can have a garage back. Uh, so it's not a permanent structure. Uh, but it should be, uh, very well soundproofed and, uh, very well, uh, heat and, and, uh, cold insulated. So I'm looking forward to, to having that. Uh, you know, right now it seems like my next door neighbor, who's a carpenter, always knows when I'm recording. And that's when he runs his power saws and does his hammering, uh, every time I come out here in the studio. And, and I've got, we've got, uh, an eight and a half tenths of an acre. So uh, a large spot. And the only place my kids ever play when I'm in here is right outside the garage door, inches from me, yelling and being loud. So, uh, it'll be nice to be insulated from all of that sort of stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, give a shout out to our guest's son, son of Nightstar, who's uh, telling his dad to speak up. But uh, this show is going to be all about him. So yeah, there will be plenty of chances for him to talk. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Just when I need a heckler in the same house. That's yeah, right. Well, so you already had two hecklers right here. So uh, you didn't need a third one. Um, yeah. we. You didn't think that we were going to treat you with respect or dignity. Did you? I, I hope that, uh, that, that nobody else does. Yeah, I mean, do. okay. <laughs> so I did want to uh, uh, mention one more thing. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's not something I'm going to play here because it's uh, seven plus minutes long, but uh, an article on Gizmodo today, uh, came out about a new type of, uh, transport device for paraplegics. It's not, it's, it's unfair to this device to call it a wheelchair. Uh, but it is a fascinating new device that, uh, I think you should go check out. It's not tightwad tech. It's not ed tech, but it's just cool. Uh, and it's basically a device that allows them to stand up and, and move around in an upright position and get to counters and, and, and sinks and, and, and sit down on a, on real furniture the way, uh, uh, I almost said normal people, the way, uh, non, uh, injured people do. And, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, pretty revolutionary. The, the initial street price price they're saying is 15,000. I don't know how that compares to a motorized wheelchair. Um, but, uh, I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that as they mass produce them and the prices come down is really going to uh, change 
the way uh, uh, disabled people interact with the world. Did you look at that video, Sean? Yeah, I did, and it's uh, it's very cool. Uh, there's mention of it being some somewhat kind of like a segue, and that that is the first thing that you think of. It kind of has that appearance. Um, they can mount it from a kind of a sitting down position, and it sort of pulls them up into it after they get a few straps around them, and then uh, and then the, yeah, it's very much like a segue. You know, they're on uh, uh, kind of a wheeled platform, and uh, they can move around and. Uh, it just it's amazing it's amazing to see somebody that you know you know uh ever since their injury in some some cases you know maybe they were born that way um has never really been able to interact in the world uh from a standing position and uh watching the guy uh who's actually uh doing that in the video uh it really strikes you just how much we take for granted you know just being able to uh, stand and go through a grocery store and see everything. You know, uh, grocery stores are all about uh, the marketing and product placement and everything else, and that that's done for uh, you know the the masses that uh, can stand and walk around and things like that. And um, so, uh, in that video alone, you see a lot of things that uh, you realize that we take for granted that uh, you know they're not able to do. Right. And they're making them in five different sizes to accommodate, you know, heavy people and thin people and short people and tall people. And, uh, and again, this is the first run there. They're just released, I think, this next month, maybe. Um, and so I really think it's going to be an awesome thing. I, 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 when I was in high school, I had a friend who was, um, in a wheelchair and, and she talked about, you know, just the simple things like never, never seeing anybody face to face. She spent the world looking at navels and, and butts. You know, because, and up up noses, yeah, right? Because she was, uh, she was shorter than everybody else, uh, by virtue of the fact that she was sitting down. And this this really equalizes uh, people like that. So I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. And I hope to see uh, from the demos. It's really slow, uh, and it doesn't look like it would go over even the smallest like sidewalk bump. But they'll fix that. This it's a version one. You know, they'll make them with the big tires and, and more like a Segway that's more outdoorsy and, and, uh, and faster and, and, uh, more agile. And, and I think it's going to be, um, the way we start to see disabled people move around in the future. Yeah. Okay. So enough about that. Um, let's get on to, um, our guest, Mr. Chuck Jolly. And so we'll just start with, uh, uh, you know, the, the basics. Chuck, tell us about yourself. Uh, your your job, your family, anything you want to go. What is what is it we need to know about Mr. Chuck Jolly? Okay, um, we start. I'm older than y'all would be. I'm 48. Been in this system for about 12 years in our school system. I have a wife, three kids, which you've already heard from one there, the son. It's four. Uh, I've heard from two of 14. your sons already. I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. My oldest son's 14. I have a 12-year-old daughter and a 6-year-old son. All of them go into the, are in the school system that, that I work in. Um, I have a few other things to go along with it. My brother also teaches. My wife is an assistant at the elementary school that my children go to. Uh, my daughter-in-law is a county 4-H agent in the school system. And um, at the board meetings, my mother is the one sitting at the head of the table. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. It kind of helps get a few things through and helps them uh, trust our department a little more. You know, they, they she actually knows I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So but, uh, does anybody nice. question how you got your job with that, with all those people <laughs> in there? They did. Uh, I'd say the first year I did have a few questions about it, but I don't rely on who I know for what I do. You know, I had to prove them otherwise, and I, I do it every day. You know, I show them why I'm here for a reason, and it's not because of who I'm kin to or anything like that. Yeah, when, when I started at the small school where I work at, um, um, I was the first non-local, non-related employee in like a decade and a half. It was, uh, and I was odd because of that. It's like, so who are you related to? Well, nobody. Well, you mean you didn't grow up within five miles from here? No, I, I didn't. How did you get this job? <laughs> it was never that overt, but it was kind of that impression. I've been there 15 years now, and people still say, hey, are you the new guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm the new guy. <laughs> well, 
I've been there 12 years um, and it was a little getting the job was was a little odd. I'd been working for um, a little bitty company called IBM and was fixing laptop heard computers. <laughs> I was fixing ThinkPads, laptop computers at the EasyServe Center, which is done here in Memphis. And um, my brother would call and ask questions. And I'd answer them for him. And after I had done this for about a month, I said, don't you have somebody at that school system that does this kind of work? He goes, yeah, but we see him once every two or three months. So I, in turn, called down there and told the man in charge of the department. I said, I can help you. And went down, did my interview and started work within about two weeks after that. And it was when I got here, we had, I think, 26 schools, and we had one technician. They had one guy supporting 26 schools. So I said, yeah, I believe I can help you. So we kind of split the county down in half because I was only the second guy to come in. And that's where that's kind of where we started. Now we're up to, I think I have nine people that work for me. We've spread, gotten enough people in the department that we spread out. I support five schools primarily. Um, our system is a little bit larger than yours is, Mark, but probably smaller than what Sean deals with. We got thirty about 33,000 students and 40 different sites, and uh, I deal with them on a daily basis. And, and what is your official title? I'm the Assistant Director of Technology, which okay. is, to me, it's just a title. It's just a name on a business card is all it is. Well, the nice I thing do. about being the assistant is you still have somebody to blame. You've got a boss. So that's, nice. <laughs> that's right. I have a boss, but no, I, um, one of the few times I've actually been to a place that I, I like the guy I work for. I mean, really nice. We get along real well. And, um, we, I talk to him at least once or twice a day, um, on everything. We, we bounce ideas off of each other before we do anything. We actually interact with each other about everything we do. And he makes sure I know what he's doing. He knows what I'm doing. Um, so we can kind of keep, keep everything together so that we're not, neither one gets blindsided by anything. He, when I got here was doing support in half the schools and I was doing the other half of the schools. We've gotten to a point now where he doesn't even get into the schools very much dealing with just our, Central offices is a full-time job between that and keeping all the, the stuff they are running. He does that, and I've taken over more of dealing with the the outlying schools and with the products that they use. Uh, of that nature, I handle um, the infrastructure, school-to-school, school, the servers, um, and pretty much anything that they want to do from there. All right, and uh, – uh you often don't think of a large district with uh, with actual resources as being tightwad. So uh, what is it that makes you a tightwad tech? Um, yeah, we're a large district, but now when you, you look at the, the listing of states, you'll find Mississippi's at the bottom. <laughs> you know, we're the, we're the one down there on the very bottom. Um, we're, we are the largest district in the state, but – as far as money goes, nah, we don't have a lot of that. It doesn't, it's stretched really, really thin. And essentially, I don't spend money on anything I can find for free because there's pretty much something out there that'll do what I want it to do or get me very close to it. And I recycle everything. I don't like throwing away anything. If it still works, I want to use it. Um, I don't want to spend the money that I'm paying in taxes on the infrastructure if I don't have to. I'd rather put that in the hands of the teachers to be used in a classroom to help my children uh, um, learn more and get them more resources that they can work with. And so I, we deal with a lot of open source software, a lot of recycled equipment that they really don't – most of the people in my district have no idea that they're using this. It's just I give them a product and say, this is what – I want, we want to do it. Here's the reason. This is what it's going to do for you. Now, see if we can go to, go to it and then we'll test it on. I like to test it on older equipment, no money outlay. If it works, hey, great. I can get them to spend the money on it, but if it doesn't work, then we're not out anything. There's no loss. Right. Uh, Chuck, I'm, I'm really curious because 
you're a tightwad tech dealing on the scale that you are. Uh, you know what? Let's get to, into some specifics. You know, uh, you've been listening to the show for a while. Or, you know, are there any uh, uh, things like Fog or uh, or Italc or anything like that that you're using on a very large, broad scale? We use Italc in every one of our labs. Uh, all of our libraries use it. Um, for it's one of the easiest products we've ever had to use. We at one time we had a few people using Synchronize, but we come with a better product that's cheaper, works better, and it's very simple and easy. So we rolled that out to everybody. I tried Fog and I like the product for what it does, but it's very hard to use in 40 different sites and across the the WAN that we have. It's on the slow side. So well, actually, to, if you set those up. Uh, so that there are different storage servers at each site, you can get the advantage of all the of one central management, but get the speed of local storage. You can do that. Yeah, that's what I'm working on. When I first used it, uh, I actually got Fog about probably four or five years ago. It was in their uh, probably version version two, I think. 2.0 was about the time that I'd gotten it, or they were just rolling up into 2.0, and they were uh, the um, locations for the centralized management and the storage locations offsite was in the works. They were working on that, and I just haven't gone back to being able to to even go through the testing part to to use it. Well, let me let me, let me give work. you the the 50 cent version of how that works. <laughs> you go through an install, and it says, "Do you want this to be a a, a fog server or a storage server?" You you Push the number two for storage, and and you're done. That's it. <laughs> you, you it just you then give it the IP address of your regular server, and then they just know. It's uh it's it's seamless and 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 wonderful, and and I bow to the feet of the fog. <laughs> I'll I'll probably dig back into it. I like the product. I mean, I was I was really impressed with it. I mean, I, when I what I used it for in the same building worked great. I mean, I could roll out labs in no time at all. Right. Um, we use the same pretty much the same vendor for everything that we buy it comes through uh, one manufacturer it's um, bought from a company in fargo north dakota which is really nice um it's a company called dactec that we use for basically everything my boss got one of the machines in and i spent about a month trying to destroy it and couldn't so Stu landberg of that of dactec computers has called me once a week for the last 15 years. I got to give the man credit. He is persistent. Stu's a good guy. I, li I like Stu. I've met him uh, a couple times at conferences. We use a man called Mike Tupa, which is uh, the one of the things I liked about it is the fact that Mike is the only guy I talk to. He does everything. And with the seven-year warranty, it's kind of hard to beat that. We don't have the money to cycle machines through every couple of years and do refresh cycles as we'd like to. Um, I've got machines that are 10 and 12 years old still running. So yep, we so try to get rid of them, but it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? That's tightwad right there. You keep it, yeah. uh, you buy it new, buy it good, and drive it till the doors fall off. That's the okay. essence of tightwad tech. Absolutely. If it still works, we're still going to use it. Continue to put it out there. It'll work for something somewhere along the way. We can use it for some for some purpose. So that's what we do with those. Um, our other other pieces. I I didn't want to tell them until later. We our board of education. I this the idea that started us into our open source and our tight white stuff was. I was at my parents' house one day, and the board secretary brought the board packet, and it was about a ream and a half of paper that she had to go through in about four days before the meeting. And I went, no, there's got to be a better way than wasting killing all those trees and everything. So we set up a Joomla server. Nice. And that's how we set them to go paperless. Well, we beta tested it on the board of education, on the school board. <laughs> which probably wasn't the wisest idea, but you know, when you don't tell them about it, they started using it. So they went paperless using Joomla, and now everything is done off of laptops and PDF files. Their board secretary uploads it to them. They can get to it at any point in time. We keep all the back data so they can go back to the forms at any point that they want to from there. And that was our first into our, our first dive into it on a 
I know a five-year-old compact server is what it's running on and still running on that machine now. Uh, and they like it. It works well. And they don't know any different, really. Um, we, I use uh, recycled computers as uh, with free NAS, as NAS boxes. Um, I just finished setting up Big Blue Button. I haven't got to play with it a lot yet. Um, it's the next piece that I'm going to roll out and see how well that works. I found that at TCEA. I'd, it's not one I'd ever heard of before. Yeah, we've been trying to get somebody from Big Blue Button on this show for over a year. And I think uh, an albino unicorn with four uh, left feet will be harder to find than a contact number at Big Blue Button. Uh, they just make it impossible to find them and... Uh, and, and yeah, it. it's it's really difficult. I know I tracked down some uh, generic uh, email addresses about all that they offer up, and uh, so they have the real tight knit community of developers. And if you're on that team, then there's all kinds of ways for them to, uh, uh, you know, converse amongst themselves. But uh, you you basically just have an email address that you can fire off that presumably goes to somebody in that group. But uh, I have yet. I think I tried oh three or four times and have never received anything back from them. I'd love to have somebody from there uh, on the show. We have a couple of questions in the chat room, and it, it's something I'm interested to know as well. Um, uh, does your school use any cloud services? Uh, the, we hear about small and uh, to me to middle-sized organizations using Google Apps and cloud backups and that sort of things. Uh, and I often wonder, does that scale uh, to a large, you know, multi-thousand seat uh, uh, entity, you know, does bandwidth hold up and things like that. Do you use any cloud services? Um, very little. We've actually, because our internet pipe is only a 100 meg connection out to the internet, and we have a 100 meg connection school to school, we can't really afford, the, the bandwidth is so um, tight that it doesn't give us a great deal to go out. So we actually use more in-house. We bring as much of it in-house and set it up inside of there as we can on everything else. Uh, I have my backups are all run from inside, but they're stored at multiple locations. Our from end to end of our district, I can go from from east to west is about 30 miles across from one school to the other. And then it's about 25 miles north and south. So I can spread my area out and I spread backups. And I'll have two or three copies of my backups at a couple of different places. And I have the technicians at the other schools that will in their home area that maintain the machines for me, basically just get it up, set it up, get it running, be sure the power works on it. And if we have a power outage, turn it back on for me. And then we do everything across there. Yeah, that's we kind of an odd little, luxury when you're spread out geographically like that, is you can have back backups on your network that are offsite backups. Uh, very much so. That was one of the nice things that we liked when we did this is being that far apart, we figured if a storm comes through, it's not going to take out but part of our district. So I spread our, our – I have our backups. I'm on the west side of the county. And then I have a setup all the way on the east side and one on the south end of the county. We figured if a storm came through and took out two of those three, the backups are the least of our worries. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've got bigger problems to deal with than just that. So I can spread the backups, backups across those areas, and we don't really have to go off site for them. And I run a lot of them at night in like two and three in the morning to push what we need to out through there. Um, we do a lot of web-based um, systems with uh, – Renaissance Place with Accelerated Reader, and then um, we've set our own internal uh, Learn360 server up, so we house our videos in-house, and we set that up. I finished that up about three weeks ago, uh, getting that machine up and running, so the videos are actually housed in inside, and then we produce our own video system, and we post them on our own server inside so that the bandwidth from school to school is the only thing we use. We don't have a great deal going out through the internet that way. Um, I figure our average seat is we're running about 10,000 computers through our system right now with the 33,000 kids, and we added about 500 this past summer, and we'll probably add another 1,000 uh, this coming summer. Uh, we're in the middle of a a 
campus-wide rollout of wireless. We lit each of our high schools up and our middle schools up this year, which is 16 sites, and the elementary schools and stuff will start coming up next year. So we're going to have a wireless infrastructure across the entire county, but we can't supply them with computers. That's a lot of money to have to supply that many kids with computers. And a lot of the kids we have have their own equipment, so we're going with a, a, a BYOD approach so they can bring their systems in and connect to our wireless system and use their own materials. Um, I brought I bought my son a laptop at Christmas for that purpose, is for him to take it to high school with him when he goes next year and be able to do all this stuff on his own equipment. I find that interesting that you have that many seats, 10,000-plus seats, and only a 100-megabit backbone. Uh, you know, my, I have a thousand seats and a fifty megabit backbone. Uh, is it just well, that you constrained? Know, uh, it's it, not so much that it's that constrained. Is our uh, the state pays for our internet? We don't pay for any part of it. They actually supply us that hundred meg pipe that goes out. But our our internet goes from here to Jackson, Mississippi, before it goes out to the internet. They supply our firewall. Um, the spam filtering we do our own. Uh, our email is ha- is hosted offsite, but it's a hundred meg pipe, and you kind of had to divide it up among the county. But now we've been we have requested been approved that we're in the process of waiting on them to up our pipe from a hundred meg to two hundred and fifty megabit, which we'll have we should have very soon. And we finally got E-Rate allowed us to now supplement our internet pipe before you had to take either theirs or you had to pay for your own. We couldn't keep both. Now we can actually keep both pipes and we can actually increase our bandwidth by paying the uh, additional cost. And we can increase the the bandwidth that we have in in each of our, um, for our overall uh, pipe out to the internet. What were you going to say, Sean? Uh, Well, I was just curious if, uh, if you're doing anything like, you know, you have any squid servers running where you're, you're trying to, you know, locally cache, uh, you know, some stuff to serve it up to uh, help cut down on bandwidth usage. Um, most of that, what it is, we've, we worked on bringing the, uh, the system in-house, bringing um, a lot of our web apps that we use are – they're web apps, but they're not internet web apps. They're actually housed locally. Um, we do our – all of our accounting system is inside our student management system, which I understand y'all know a little about is PowerSchool from Pearson. And that's housed on a rack of about uh, 17 Dell servers, I believe it is, <laughs> that it sets and runs wow. off of. It's a single rack by itself, and they're just stacked up, and that's what our, um, our school management system runs off of. But it's all held in-house. We don't – none of it goes out, so we – to manage our bandwidth basically was bring as much in-house as we could i really don't understand how anybody could accuse pearson of being bloated i mean only 17 servers <laughs> yeah that's all <laughs> yeah that's, that's like a, a server for 10 students right <laughs> <laughs> well we do allow it has access out to the internet because our parents have access to it to come in to get their stuff off of it but it's yeah it's um i was there and watched them put it together and sat with them and worked out a few of the things. And some of the people weren't real, really good that set it up and we made some changes to it ourselves. And we kind of just don't tell them about it. We just make the changes, adjustments, make them work and then just tell them about it later. Okay. So, um, just, I'm also interested to know what about, uh, um, Wow, my brain just shut down in mid sentence. You ever had that happen? <laughs> that almost never wow. happens. That was just that was. I was. I, I don't know. Sean, ask I, a question. I, I think. I think the uh, the chat room got you, Mark. No, uh, I wasn't it, even looking at the chat room. It just. <laughs> it just went. Pew! It was. It was. Well, I. I'll uh, speaking of the chat room. I'll the next question will come from the chat room, uh, which is uh, how do you handle? Uh, well, they reference security, but uh, really more uh, the control factor uh, as far as uh, kids trying to get out to stuff they're not supposed to. Uh, you know, all of that kind of management stuff. What, what, how are you guys handling that? Well, we have a iBoss web filter 
that runs basically manages our internet content out, which is a phenomenal product. We tested six or eight different ones until we found the one that we actually liked, and this one works seems to work extremely well. We can set policies up different for a child as opposed to what a teacher sees as to what a staff member set, sees. Everything in our system is tied together. We use an Active Directory, um, Microsoft Active Directory system, and the filter reads your Active Directory login and assign, you're assigned to a group from there, and then the filter is applied to that group. So we can open up for windows of a high school as opposed to a middle school and elementary school. So actually each school has three different – four actually four different filters running inside that school because we have one that's very, very lenient, which is used by our school resource officers to allow them access to a lot of the things that would not normally come through into the system. Um, we use Active Directory to push all our software out and actually set the policies on the desktops. We don't do – we went through the process of originally we were going to lock it down and eliminate what they wanted, and – I got to where I was looking at it and going, I'm, I don't like this. It's too controlled. It's too um, internet Naziist. So I didn't – we started loosening a lot of that stuff up really, really quick because it was it was too tight, too, too easily controlled. Teachers couldn't do what they needed to do, and I needed them to be able to do their job. And I'm supposed to just basically play the part of the goalie and keep everything in play. Right. I, I went on a rant just last week about that. I'm sure you heard it. It was about the, you know, the, the reason tech directors find their job so hard is that they're trying to manage too much. Just let some of those plates hit the ground and everything gets better for everybody, for the techs, for the teachers and for the students. Yeah. We, I, I went back to it as a different approach. I kind of went to them. I'm going, I'm not the person to manage your students. It's a, it's an issue with you need to teach them how to use what they have properly right. and not – I'm not going to be the person that's going to control it for you. I'm not going to police the network for you when it's an issue that you should be taking care of on your end and teaching the kids how to properly use their stuff and what they should and should not be using and how they should approach the equipment they have and what sites they go to. That's a an issue with between. That's a personality conflict. That's not something I should be locking on my network. Uh, we're gonna have to rename. Uh, it's gonna have to be not Nightstar anymore, but the uh, Tightwad Apostle Number One. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. You're preaching our message right there. That's that's. Uh, it, it makes it makes. I'm getting overclipped. Uh, so I, while we're on the subject, how did you find out about the show? The Techie Geek, uh, Russ Winter, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to out of a, an entire – a huge list of things I listened to. I believe I found you on episode two. Oh, wow. You've been around a while then. Oh, yeah. And I went back and listened to one and listened to it first when he, he had posted it, and I found it on his. It, they had picked it out, so I went, well, hey, this looks right up my alley. It's free. Everything is cheap. Recycle the stuff. I'm going, this is where I want to be. I said, these are the people I need to talk to. So that's where I went to was was that, and I've been here ever since, and I listen to every one of the podcasts. Wow. You're a, you're a dedicated listener. We need, we need more like you. That's awesome. back, back when we were uh, only slightly worse than we are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would be nice if there was like some atmos meteoric rise, you know, that we just got so much better, but we didn't, we didn't. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned uh, other podcasts. Clearly everybody listening to this is a podcast enthusiast. Uh, let's, let's listen. Let's hear some of those things that you, you said it's a long list. Uh, don't spend all night, but what are uh, maybe your top 10 podcasts that you like to listen um, to? Technology wise, uh, the Mike tech show um, has some very good things uh, along with tech vets. Uh, listen to that one. Um, the Techie Geek, um, HPR, Hacker Public Radio, which has some very good stuff on it. Um, let's see. Going off tech, I have to I listen to um, Slice of Sci-Fi. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Babylon 5, so I listen to most of the Babylon 5 podcast. 
Um, then hasn't the show been to, off the air for like fifteen years? Pretty close. It's been off the air for quite a while, and they're still doing podcasts about it. They still podcast about it and Firefly as well. And I love Firefly. <laughs> it was only seven episodes long, but you know. It's just, it was that good a show. They still podcast about it. But um, I do my slice of sci-fi. Then over into sports, I'm a Carolina Hurricanes hockey fan. Um, St. Louis Rams football. uh, And I'm an Auburn Tiger. (laughs) It's a bad time to be a Rams (laughs) fan right now. I mean, you had a good run there for a while. But uh, it's a dry spell for the last old decade. Yeah, I've been with them since... The early dry spell back in the early 70s, Yeah, <laughs> you know, when there was nothing else there, you know, right after they'd moved out to L.A. So I was there when we won the Super Bowl. I'm still here now. You know, I, I'm dedicated. I stay with them. Yeah, that's what I say about the Cowboys. <laughs> if I was with them when Quincy Carter was their quarterback, it can't get any worse than that. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with them through anything. Well, we're getting better. I mean, they're <laughs> doing the best they can. So... You know, I'm there, so I kind of have to supplement that with my college. You know, we won our national title last year, so we got our big glass egg. And, you know, being in the Southeastern Conference, you kind of have to love college football. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. (laughs) You know, that's a religion. That's what you do on Saturday afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, and if you don't, all the other guys look at you and go, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get this thing. I didn't fall in the in the 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 quote traditional geek status. Um, odd man out. I played football, baseball, ran track, did all the athletic stuff. Um, then I go into the other redneck stuff. I watch NASCAR. I like watching the cars go around in circle. You know, I do that too. I love love NASCAR. Drive fast, turn left. Yes, I like that. You get to turn right every once in a while, at least twice a year they can just turn to the right you know but i i like it I, I i love that fact i've been to talladega and there's nothing like being at the track i mean if you're ever there at the track and get to see the spectacle that goes along with it for the entire weekend you know it's something else all right well uh that's kind of my list of questions is there anything else that you want to talk surely you've got you know, something cool going on what's your what's your coolest thing right now that you're most proud of uh, at your at your school or at your office or even one small subset of that. Actually, the most thing I'm most proud of is my kids. You know, that's my children. And right now we're working, like I said, we're working towards. I talked to you earlier in the show. The 14 year old that is son of Nightstar in the chat room in there is preparing to go to uh, Stanford University with people to people at the end of July on a technology summit. So he'll spend a week there, and we're working on that process. And I told him that my only drawback to that is I couldn't go with him. You know, I would love to go. They're going to Silicon Valley to uh, going to see Adobe. They're going to work with robotics teams and uh, NASA astronauts and all this stuff. You know, all the stuff that the geek loves. You know, it's just like you know, it's like going to geek heaven. You'd love to be able to go there, but yeah. I can't can't do that. <laughs> One of the benefits of living in Texas is I've been to NASA several times, and I just never get tired of it. It's just awesome. <clears throat> One thing I do, I have to give you all credit, too. We, I went to TCEA this year, which being from Mississippi, that's not normal because we have our own state conference, and it happened to be at the exact same time. But I had picked – I was looking at between – yours and Florida and was picking between the two as to which one I'm going, you know, the weather would be a whole lot nicer in Orlando than it would be in Austin, but there's <laughs> better stuff at Austin. And actually when after I picked TCA, I went after the next point was to find out where you're going to actually be there. Right. You know, I was looking forward to, to actually laying eyes and meeting you actually get it, getting to, to, to meet you when I was, yeah, there. I'm sorry for the disappointment inherent in that. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> That's okay. I was I was impressed. I mean, it, it's a it's a great conference, and you introduced me some to some really nice people and a nice Mexican restaurant and some strange folks. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's Austin that you yeah. just described okay. there. <laughs> Their motto is "Keep Austin Weird." They're they're weird and proud of it. Uh, yeah, I, if you live anywhere 
south of Canada, the TCEA conference is really few. In fact, I've, I've known some Canadians who've gone there. It's the second largest tech conference, ed tech conference, uh, in the country. And it's just really, really good. I encourage people to go. Um, so, uh, just out of curiosity, uh, what's, uh, maybe one or two things that you picked up from there that you're, uh, implementing or hoping to implement, uh, in the near future, uh, there at your school? Big blue button was the first one because that, that one I picked up. And then um, a lot of what I went after was the BYOD, was the the infrastructure and what was there. And we started getting iPads and Apple products into our system, which I know nothing about an Apple other than the school system bought them and said, here, you need to learn this. So I have a MacBook, which is what my camera is on now. So I wanted to find out what a the districts that have the products and have a a hybrid system that ha- that carry both how they manage them, and we're looking at Jamf. So that I'm working on now is the process of putting that together to start. That's uh, uh, that's what we use where I'm at, and uh, it it seems to work pretty well actually. Wait, well, that's. You bring up an, an interesting point there, and I, I've, I'm always curious about the the org structure of, of different schools, and that is you uh, um, you're the number two tech guy for the whole district for thousands of students, and, and I think you said 20 different campuses, and yet something happened that you didn't know about. Uh, what who decides who buys what in your in, in the way your schools are run? <sighs> It's still old boy system. A lot of the schools, when I first got here, they purchased what they wanted. It was their own products inside. It took us probably five to six years of talking and getting comfortable with the people who were there and everything to get them to un- to understand that if you tell me ahead of time and let me tell you this is what's going to work best for you, it's going to be easier for us to manage and easier for us to maintain and you're going to get closer to getting what you want if you let us help you with our knowledge of the products and you tell us what you want it to do. And that's what we'll come up with. And we have actually finally gotten there. It's taken a while, but we've actually finally gotten to that point where the products are starting to – they all roll through now. All of my schools will come – everything goes through me. They will notify me of everything before they make any purchases. They'll bring it and say, this is what I want to do with it, and this is what I'm looking at. Is this okay? Will this work and do what I want it to? And uh, the rest of our campuses have finally gotten to that point. They're very comfortable with the technicians we have. The guys that I have working for me are a, a phenomenal group. One of the um, stories, I went to my superintendent, and he used to be a – he was the basketball coach at the place where I went to school. And uh, that's one of the other things is the district I work in is where I graduated from. My picture's on the wall at one of the high schools. So I'm at home. This is where I know half the people. I go in there, I see kids. I'm going, I went to school with your parents. you know. So I know these people. They've gotten very comfortable with, with us in there. I had a server go down. One of my Active Directories uh, died, lost a hard drive, and it killed the Active Directory at one of my schools. And I spent time on the phone, got everything. We got it built, got it back up and running. And once I got the actual trip where I knew I had it working, I sent out an email first thing that evening to each of the guys I had and said, I need help at my high school for anybody that can come help me. At 8 o'clock that morning, every one of my guys walked through the front door, and the only thing that they said was, what do you want me to do? And I said, you probably couldn't go to another department anywhere in the school district and actually get that kind of support out of anybody else. Yeah. I said, they're, they're really, I said, they're good guys. They, they, we talk to each other, you know, two, three times a, a, a week. We don't see each other for months at a time. You know, I may not see them for three, four, five months. Um, I saw them in February and I probably will not see them again until June, but I talked to them all the time. We have a, a good interaction with each other, and we trade and bounce questions off of each other. But our schools now trust us, and they know we know what we're doing, and they will come to us before they make any purchases or anything that go with that to decide, is this the right product for us? And that actually helps our support and our infrastructure work better. The networking infrastructure school to school, that's 
basically was decided on by us, and we went to an Active Directory system. We were a, a mix. We were some Novell and some NT schools when I first got there, and we slowly migrated out the Novell and into um, Office to um, Server 2003 Active Directory, and that was basically turned over to me going, okay, here it is. You set up our organizational structure and decide how we're going to do this. So I went back to the man I worked for, and I said, okay, this is our two choices. I like this one better, but this one gives us advantages and showed him the pros and cons, and we decided how to do it. And he said, well, you got to pick it because you're the one that's got to manage it. Right. So we was, did it. And I, I was talking with a, um, a group of, of people from a, a large district here in Texas, multiple – uh, 5A is the, the largest high schools that you have. I don't know how, how many it is, but thousands of students. They had multiple 5A schools within their district. And, uh, I was asking, um, you know, how, what, what's your, what's your tech budget like? I'm just curious. And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't have a tech budget. Well, who handles purchasing? Well, the principals at each individual building decides what he wants at their building, decides how much he's willing to spend at their building and implements it. And I thought, what a nightmare to have dozens of different schools around and uneducated people. I mean, principals are educated in being principals, but not in tech. And they're making decisions based on their schools. And it's it's no wonder that that their stuff didn't communicate and doesn't work together and you can't centralize it. It it, it kind of boggles my mind that there's that there's not a centralization of that. It seems so basic to me that you have one person or group of people who make sure everything's going to work together for everybody else. But that seems to be a foreign concept to a lot of people. And maybe that's just the way the system grew out, you know, because uh, as tech came into schools, it was really a hodgepodge. Uh, you know, we've got some tech money here. Go ahead and make something happen. But uh, it, it just seems to me that that you really need that top-down structure, not necessarily for management, but just for um, uh, quality control and and uh, cross uh, compatibility and making sure that that somebody knows how to run everything in the in the entire network. Am, am yeah, I wrong I, on that? Is that would if you had the choice? Is that how you'd set it up? Well, this, uh, this, Mark, let me uh, let me tack on to that question because I have uh, right along the same lines too. Is uh, you know, uh, and especially the larger school district. It seems like as you go up the ladder, uh, more and more you hear, "I, I want my eight hundred number," and uh, you right. know, uh, that kind of thing. Support, support, support. I need somebody that can uh, manage this. Uh, so I guess assuming that you, you know you can't manage it yourself in house. So. Uh, yeah, along those same lines, you know, how do you how do you attack that, especially when you're going tightwad and maybe uh, you have to manage it yourself? It it actually also by getting it to where we could do they all trust us and they start buying the same things. It's easier to know that a piece of software will work at multiple places and not knowing you have this version of this software where I have Max over here, I have this this PC here, but now it's five years old and it won't work with this operating system. And the software just you couldn't maintain it. And it just the the cost of repair was out of sight. Where now the parts work across every machine. They're the same pieces that we have. So upkeep on them is much, much easier. And you don't have the money outlay. They don't have a machine dying going, I can't do anything with that machine. We're going to have to buy parts for it. Well, then you've got to foot the bill for it because you bought this one where the product we went with that we currently use now carries a seven-year warranty on it. And I said, seven years. Machines don't last seven years in most schools. I said, that it's going to be so obsolete that time. But at least I know I've still got warranty as long as I've got a usable machine. Right. And that's one of the nice things is being able to do that is – I can take it and I can move the machine from one school to another and it doesn't affect it. As we build new schools, we can transfer some because the new school will never come up with all the equipment that, that the older schools have. So we transfer some of the older stuff in there to kind of suffice until we can get them built up to what they have. One of the things, like I said, when I came into the school system, I was the second guy in. Well, we had 26 buildings. We now have 40. We built – 14 schools in seven years because we increased our population in our county from 100,000 people in 1990 to 2000. We went to 167,000 people 
it increased that much. We were gaining a th- around 2,000 kids a year into our school system for ev- for like eight years in a row. We picked up 2,000 kids a year, and we were building buildings as fast as we could, and I can't leave a hodgepodge out there of all this stuff. I said, I need to make it centralized. We need to be very much the same because I don't have time to go and work on this odd thing here and then go to this other school and start like starting over from scratch exactly. again. It's yeah, just, as much as I'm against top-down control, uh, you top-down oversight is almost essential. You've got to have somebody at the top who understands what's going on everywhere else and, and can see a big picture. It amazes me how often there is no big picture. Not only is there nobody in charge, nobody who sees the big picture, there just isn't one. And everybody just does what everybody does. And and that's why you get these um, these entities wasting, wasting, throwing away millions of dollars on incompatible stuff or on, on poor purchasing decisions because you've got somebody who is an excellent educator and administrator making tech decisions. That's not their job. That's not the, what they shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be making administrative decisions. That's not my job. I shouldn't be making classroom decisions. Uh, and, and it's so weird that they're, I, I've lamented a bit about this a dozen times as I've been looking for, uh, work. Uh, so many places require a teaching degree for a tech or, or a tech administrator. And that just seems so weird to me that, that if I had a teaching degree, that would mean I wasted seven or eight or 10 years of my life getting educated and, and learning how to be a teacher and then becoming a tech. Those skills don't carry over. They, they don't need to be. Um, and, and it's, there's just a, a weird mindset out there that I, I don't know if will ever be broken. I don't know how that is ever going to change. Well, it's I said that that's actually one of the the benefits we have in our district. Our superintendent is elected and he was a basketball coach and he basically he's a teacher. So he's managing the system, which is great. But the man that I work for has no teaching degree. He has a I'm trying to think. I think he's got a bachelor's degree, but I'm not sure what it was in. I have an associate's degree. I don't have a bachelor's degree. I'm an associate's of applied science. I studied electronics. So I understand that computer from the inside out. I understand everything that's going on inside of it. It makes perfect sense to me. And neither – both of us came from what I call the real world. We came from the outside in. So I saw what it's like in a corporate world as different from in that side of the school system. So we don't have people that were teachers and stuff teaching. Now, a couple of my techs were teachers, um, and they did this as they came out of a classroom, but they were teaching computers they were teaching computer discovery and computer engineering and then decided to come over and work for us and applied for the position and came to work for us in the system and we trained them essentially they learned what we do and how we do it and then i send them to the schools and say okay this is where you get to go but you're taking over one of my schools so you better do it and do it right because they know how we do things so you don't get to start in a new one. You get one that was an established school. So they understand it. But we went through, and one of the things that actually helped our principals allow us to do the control over them is it's much easier and nicer to be able to go to a computer company and say, this guy would like to have 10 machines, but I want an 18-wheeler full. Exactly. Which one of you thinks going to get the better price? Right. You know, and we actually have – for the last six years in a row, we have an 18-wheeler full of computers that has rolled on our campus the first week of July for the last seven years in a row that it's it's full. And we take them out and distribute them out to the machines to the uh, individual schools, and then they're up and running. They're all identical. Everybody knows what they're doing. We know ahead of time what we've got, and the, the principals, they all get the same thing. So they all know what each other one has. So if this one has a product, ours are very competitive. Going, if they got it, I want it too. Well, if they've got it, you can have it too because you've got the same stuff they've got. Right. So, yeah, we can do it over there too. You may have to purchase it, but we know it'll work because it's already been tested there. We know it functions. And they're, they like that fact that they can get – we have a few that get really, really competitive. If this one's got it, i got to have it too. So they kind of keep trying to up one-up the other one. So All right, we, we it, makes need to, it, it makes it funny. We need to wrap this discussion up here. We're coming up on an hour, sure. and uh, uh, it's been great having you on, but uh, uh, we don't want to 
to go too too long. So uh, I'll ask you one last question, as I as I like to ask everybody who comes on. If you have uh, one thought, one message, one thing that you want to make sure um, people listening to this podcast get, one central message, uh, what would that be? Even the good stuff doesn't cost money. You can get some very good products for free. The support is phenomenal on them. Don't um, you always assume that if I pay enough money for it, it's got to be better because it costs more. Price is not an object on most things. If you look at the product, it's it's the support behind it that makes the difference. And the open source and free and the basically the tight wide community is a phenomenal group of support. All right, that's a great message. Uh, Apple would say that that was a whole bunch of hogwash, but still a great message. <laughs> so I don't have a uh, tech tip for this week. I am I'm out again. So we'll move on and let Sean do his uh, teacher tip of the week. Yeah, uh, teacher tip is uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there, probably most of you that listen to this show are uh, aware of this, but uh, you, you've heard of TED Talks, right, Mark? Absolutely. Right. And uh, if you didn't know what TED stands for, it stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design. And they started doing these talks back in the 80s and really uh, kicked them off annually in 1990. And uh, they've, uh, you know, gained great acclaim for, uh, you know, the level of speakers that they've had. And um, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, you just, you know, Google TED Talks and there's a bunch of them on YouTube and things like that. And uh, they're really amazing. You get some of the greatest minds of our time talking about the things that they're passionate about. Uh, well, what uh, TED, I guess, uh, TED as far as the entity is concerned, uh, they've recently come out with an education channel. And uh, so the TED Talks are generally, uh, I think, 18 minutes or less. They have to be under 18 minutes. Um, that's part of the allure of the format is that they're short and they're very compelling. Well, uh, the TED Education Channel, uh, which is on YouTube, uh, it keeps their talks to less than 10 minutes. And uh, right now they've got 18 of them up. But what they're really trying to accomplish here is get uh, uh, short 10-minute videos, basically a, a lesson uh, and it's presented by an educator. And uh, so you can go to the site, you can nominate an educator, and uh, that educator has some great lesson that, that they have that maybe they use in the classroom. And uh, they pair that educator with a nominated animator. So they're trying to bring an educator and an animator together. And so these talks are uh, narrated by the educator but the uh, animator will come up with some animation that uh, gets the point across, so to speak, uh, visually. And then um, uh, Ted puts that together, produces it in high quality, and uh, uh, puts it out there and basically puts their weight behind it as far as broadcasting it, uh, or as the word they use is amplifying it. So they just try to amplify it and get it out to a, a broader audience. Uh, again, I think I said already, there's 18 of these already on that channel, and uh, uh, they're pretty, pretty cool stuff. So uh, it's tends to be a little technology science uh, heavy. Uh, it's geared towards the high school level. Uh, but uh, if you are in that arena, if you're in a high school at all teaching anything, there's probably something on there for you. Uh, go ahead and take a look. It's uh, the TED Education Channel on YouTube. It looks like they got tired of the folks over at RSA Animate taking their stuff and showing them up, so they decided to do it themselves. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, cool stuff. I know, Mark, you, we've, uh, I remember sitting in the office and we'd be like, oh, look, check out this TED Talk, you know. Yeah. Um, the one about, uh, I think, whitricity. Wasn't, wasn't there one about whitricity? Um, I'm sure. Why not? Yeah. Where they was beaming the electricity through the thing and the, the cell phone came on or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, really cool stuff, so. All right, so check that out. And uh, Sean uh, does a uh, stellar job of updating the uh, forum post about uh, tips of the week. So <laughs> as soon as this show is finished, even before it goes to air, that link will be over there on the forums over at elementop.com, where you can also find other things, other forums there, great conversations going on every day. And hey, while you're here, check out some of our other shows. We do uh, five shows other than this one, some about tech, some about education, some about none of the above, some about nothing. 
and it's the Seinfeld of podcasts. Yeah, some about bacon. <laughs> so um, check us out over there at elementopie.com. Uh, you can also, if you want to give us a, a call, leave us a voicemail. You can do that right there on our website. Just click the call us button, or I think it says leave us a message. You enter your phone number and your name if you want to. Won't to. Wow, my, my East Texas won't came do. out there. Yeah. If you want to, you don't even have to do that. Um, but you uh, you leave your, your, put your number in there. Google Voice calls you. Uh, in the continental U.S. and Canada, sorry, uh, Hawaii and the rest of the world, it doesn't work that way. But uh, you, uh, uh, Google will call you. Can you leave us a voicemail, and we will play it on the show. And that's a threat and a promise. If you leave us a voicemail, we will play it on the show. So, uh, <laughs> one of these days you're going to eat your words because there's going to be like one week we're going to like a hundred calls. <laughs> yeah, or or somebody's just going to call up and it's going to be like one long expletive for three and a half minutes, and, and then it'll run, you put that on the show, uh, something like that. Yeah, somebody's going to test me out about that, and so what I'll do is just bleep all of it. <laughs> right, right. We've bleep, got a, bleep, yeah. bleep. and you guys bleep bleep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say we wouldn't heavily edit it before we put it on the show <laughs> yeah you guys are awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey uh another great show all right thanks sean for that <laughs> endorsement uh chuck thanks for being with us and uh, sure. on, on behalf of our uh listener spotlight number 11 mr chuck john this is mark signing off and sean signing off <laughs> <laughs>